Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following show contains adult content, sexual situations, nasty language, and a good fucking time. Mindfire. Have you been injured in an accident that was probably your fault? Cranston Injury Law wants to get you the most for your injury. I had my hand crushed in a Ferdorf trenolator, and there was soft tissue damage, and Cranston Injury Law sued that company out of business just because I had misused the machine, and they got me $7 trillion for my settlement. Cranston Injury Law. My name is Maverick Matthews, and you are listening to Mindfire on KTLK Fringe FM. You may hang up or press 1 for more options. You jackass bastard. What? I've been hearing a lot about you, and not all of it is satisfactory. And the fact that you just wouldn't, he won't answer your phone is making me a bit edgy. Well... What the fuck? Who cares about you? You fucking yellow belly. Screw it. Hunters, be nice. Hi, Benicio. It's Layla here, too. Back ass. Fucking Nazi pig. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'll see you later, man. Okay. He hides. Oh. Woo! That introduction clip is Hunter Thompson, celebrated gonzo journalist, leaving a message for Benicio Del Toro. Uh, Hunter was staying at the Chateau Marmont during the filming of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You can hear one of the first cuts playing in the background, actually. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Mindfire. I just like priming us with interesting, quirky things. I'm going to leave that in the intro, I think, forever. Uh, This is a show that is meant to break the hypnotism of the rote psychological radio experience. So without further ado, let's get into it. We're going to have the opening music, and then I'll tell you what we're going to do. Please visit maverickmatthews.com and pre-order my new book, The Wreath of Madness. It comes out at the end of January. Visit fringe.fm for all your fringe needs. You can also hear past episodes of Mindfire on my website, maverickmatthews.com. Click the Mindfire link. Okay, here we go. Let's get into the show. 
like, yeah, dude, I'm like a nomad. I'm a crypto nomad. Look at this bitch. Look at my bitch. I'm a crypto nomad. We live in countries without regulators. We fucking shower when we want and we fucking trade. But it's your job to bring your gift and to mend the part that you can touch. Unbelievable to have this kind of power. What you got ain't nothing new. This country's hard on people. Can't stop what's coming. Ain't all waiting on you. unnecessarily long synthesizer introduction in all of podcasting and modern radio and yet somehow necessary my name is maverick matthews and you are listening to mind fire that quote right before the music comes from the goat of podcasting currently tim dillon a lot of people widely regard him as the goat I didn't really know what that term meant for a long time, so I'll, I'll spare you uh, if you don't know either. Goat, greatest of all time. And I was like, goat, why do I keep saying he's a goat? I don't understand. <laughs> all right, so last week we had a little episode of Dystopia Now with my buddy Nicholas Ol Honky Tonk Hinton. This week... I'm going to do some ranting. I'm going to do a good old-fashioned rant for a while. And then we're going to switch over to some electronic music halfway through, as usual. I'm trying to decide what story to tell. What story am I going to tell from Hollywood or from my adventuring this time? This is when an audience would be helpful. Speaking of which, there are going to be live episodes of Dystopian Now, featuring Joe Rupe, Nick Hinton, and Maverick Matthews, coming to a city near you very soon. Stay tuned to purchase tickets. The first shows are probably going to be in Florida. We are looking for event spaces right now. Very excited to bring you. They're going to be in a live podcast format. So you can come to the show, we'll record it, and then we will uh, broadcast it later for the folks who couldn't make it. So you get to be in the recording forever if you come. Tickets are going to be cheap. The first half of the show is going to be us podcasting in a classic format where we sit down and have mics and answer question and questions and pontificate 
on different subjects. The second half of the show is going to be electronic music, where I DJ a set. We may have other guest DJs, and Nick and Joe are going to be hanging out, signing autographs, selling merch. Nick will be selling his book. I'll be selling my book. It's going to be a really cool scene um, that we're going to develop. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for being here, though. All right. What story am I going to tell today? I'm going to flip a coin. Depending on how this coin lands, I will either tell a story from Hollywood or a story from my adventure travel days. So let's see. Let's see. We have heads and tails. We'll make uh, we'll make nature heads because it's good for your head to be out in nature. And we'll make tails Hollywood. And I'm not going to explain why. Okay, let's flip it. Tails. Hollywood it is. Now, Hollywood, 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 Hollywood. What crazy story can I tell from Hollywood? I'm going to tell the story of how I got started. I wanted to do this a couple episodes ago. Because a lot of people see folks working in Hollywood and they think it's like this real glamorous place. Like everybody's life is glamorous and we're all floating around on magic carpets going from brunch to brunch. And it can be like that once you become super successful, once you make it, once you, as Joe Rogan likes to put it, achieve escape velocity. That means having enough momentum and money to not have to worry about getting canceled or screwed over. But if you hear the parrots in the background, by the way, appreciate them because I like acoustic artifacts and, uh, I'm in Florida currently recording this, and there is a nest of parrots right outside my window. So, the interesting thing about Hollywood is that in the very beginning, nobody has any contacts. Nobody knows what they're doing, and there is no direct path. It's not like becoming a doctor. You don't go to school and then all of a sudden open a practice or intern with someone. You can kind of intern. But that doesn't mean that, that you're going to have any more work than whatever that one job is. In fact, my first job, and I write about this in The Wreath of Madness at length, my first job was on a very, very big reality television show that I can't mention or talk about in detail because of the nature of the contracts and the non-disclosure agreements I had to sign. But it was a very big show. It was the number one reality show on TV at the moment when, when I was working on it. And uh, it was so famous that there would be fans, hundreds of fans, literally outside the shooting location screaming when we, would, when we would go places. It was pretty crazy. My first ever experience working in television. And I stumbled. I literally, I literally fell into this job. I'd mentioned to a coworker the week before at the zip line in North Kohala, big island of Hawaii, that I was co-managing, co-supervising. And the other supervisor with me that day was uh, the owner's son, and he and I were real good friends, and we lived on the property, and we helped take care of this incredible zip line. If you ever get the chance, if you're on the Big Island of Hawaii, go to COZI, K-O-Z-I, which stands for Kohala Zip Line, partnered with Hawaii Forest and Trails, and take that zip line course. It's a three-and-a-half-hour zip line, and it includes Hawaiian history. It includes an incredible ride up there in a military vehicle. It's, a, it's an amazing experience, and it's historical. Really rad. 
So I was up there hanging out, trying to figure out what my next move in life would be, managing this course uh, with another amazing dude who was like the head, head honcho, Dave. And I decided I probably wanted to kind of tiptoe back into film and television. I was like, how am I going to do this? Well, lo and behold, the writer, director, and executive producer of this TV show come wandering on to the property the next day. And they're like, hey, we're shooting an episode here in Hawaii. We're looking for stuff to do. We thought the zipline might be something cool to do. It did not work out logistically because it would have been too difficult with the cameras and whatnot. But they said, hey, if you guys know any production assistants, let us know. Well, when you live in Hawaii, you're always looking for extra work because it's expensive, just like the whole country is now. And so me and my buddy Jason, who was living with me at the time, you know, managing the spot, he goes, he goes, we're, we're production assistants. We're looking for, you know, we need extra work. And so they're like, great. When can you guys work? We're, we you know we're only shooting for the next five days. And we were like, perfect. We'll be there every day. He had experience in lights. I, I had experience in kind of nothing. So I just started as a, a PA. Now, most people would tell you that means production assistant, but the original PA was um, production apprentice, and it was kind of the entry-level training position in old-school Hollywood. Well, new-school Hollywood, it's not really how it works. Here come the parrots. That is so funny. There's just these giant schools of parrots that cruise around. Okay, parrots, I'm trying to talk. Thank you. So I worked as a production assistant on this job on this show for five days. Um, we had an awesome time, made some cool saves for the production, so they were super grateful. And when they left, I said, "Hey, I don't know if you guys hire production assistants, you know, for your next season where you shoot locally, but if you, they're coming back. I mean, am I gonna have to get a shotgun out and like take out some parrots, bro?" Your show's not more important than the life of parrots, bro. Have some compassion for the parrots, bro. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't hurt parrots. I might wing a few of them. No. Um, okay, they're gone. That's why you come here, because it's dynamic. All right. So I had an awesome time working with this this reality TV show, and... uh being on the inside of something special like that where people are watching and they're like, ooh, look at those insiders. Even if you're just a production assistant who's doing a lock-off where you're like literally blocking people from walking into a scene. You're just standing there and you're not even watching the action. You're watching out. And you got a radio on your hip and you're like, hey, can't go in there. They're making television. They're, they're, doing, they're cooler than you. And that's how it feels. You all of a sudden you're like, "Whoa, I'm the insider," and you're eating lunch with them in the cra you know, getting crafty, and it's just a cool. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a really cool experience to be on a television set, especially in the beginning. Over time, you're like, okay, boy, like I, you know, we we have this bad habit as a species of getting used to things, 
And then we're just sort of like, okay, this is, we take it, we take it for granted. I still try not to do that. I think it is super cool to walk onto a set. I feel really blessed to be there. You're getting paid to create art. And some of it isn't the highest caliber, perhaps. Some of it may be actually antithetical to the human condition. This is why I don't do a lot of horror movies and stuff. But when I got that job as a production assistant, I was like, wow, I could do, I'd like to do this for a while and explore it. This would be kind of a fun experience. And so when the production left, it was pretty clear that they were already going to get another season out of it. That was season three. They were going to start season four. And it was going to shoot back in this place in the continental United States. And so I told the executive producer, I said, hey, when you guys go back, please keep my name in the hat. And I would love to work on the show. And like, you know, they, they don't hire people from L.A. and bring them out to these places to be production assistants generally they just hire local people and so I was gonna have to work as a local and I wasn't really gonna make any money on it but I would have had a cool experience long story longer I got a call a couple months later and they offered me a position as a producer as a field producer now if you don't know what a producer does most people don't there's different kinds some people are producer in name only where they're putting money up some people are executive producers where they're at the top of the food chain. They make all the final decisions on things. They make sure that money gets spent on the right stuff and they do all the hiring for the lower producers. People like field producers make sure that everything, wherever you're shooting a show, is there so that you can shoot it. So, you know, if you're shooting, let's say you're producing a movie or something or other kinds of television, if you're a field producer, you. You might make sure that, you know, all the props you need for the scene are there. All the uh, extras are, 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 have done all their paperwork and signed off. It's things like that. It's a lot of busy work and a lot of paperwork and a little bit of hands-on awesomeness when you're shooting. And long, crazy hours, reasonably good food, pretty good pay. But what I didn't like about producing was that ultimately what it comes down to a lot of the time is you're trying to take money out of people's pockets. You're trying to negotiate things for cheaper because you're trying to stretch the value of the production costs. So you have a budget and they want to stretch that value out. I didn't like that about producing, so I didn't end up continuing it very much. But I did spend two seasons with this show. And if I told you where, it would give the, give the show away. And like I said signed some pretty serious paperwork I don't want to violate. So, um, But I spent seven and a half months on this television show. It was an amazing experience. Uh, I loved every minute of it. And I was not an ideal candidate to go into the old Hollywood system and get brutalized and, and just like verbally abused and de dealt with. So I didn't work out super well in the end with that production company, but I still had an amazing time with the crew. The crew was amazing. And so after those seven and a half months, the show ended, or at least my time on that show ended. They did a couple, they did several more seasons. That was my last season. I was not invited back for season six. And. That happens on shows. So if there's something political behind the scenes or someone doesn't like you or whatever, um, they just replace you. So I finished this show. It was actually over Christmas break. 
the Christmas hiatus. Everybody takes a break, or they used to in the film and television industry. It's much more common for people to work during the holidays now, but once you get up to the higher levels, they take breaks for Christmas, so everybody can go, and, and Thanksgiving. from Essentially, from like Thanksgiving through New Year's is known as the hiatus, where people go and they spend time with their families and they try to take a break. Now, there's exceptions to that, of course, especially when millions of dollars are on the line and you need to get the content. But for the most part, the upper levels, people try to take a break. So we went on hiatus, and I went out to Los Angeles to kind of scope it out. I actually spent the winter break up in northern New Mexico um, teaching snowboarding in a place called Angel Fire. And I was planning to come back from the winter break uh, when I found out I wasn't invited back to the show. So I said, okay, fine. I'll go out to L.A. and I'll get on another show. Now, I, I was pretty naive because I thought I was hot snot on a silver platter. I was like, I just came off the number one show on TV right now. I'm going to just wander into L.A. and the people are just going to beg to hire me. I, I didn't have any contacts. So I went out there and I had one credit to my name. And <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. So I ended up getting a day job at a boat rental company in Marina Del Rey, the only boat rental company in Marina Del Rey. And I didn't have any money. Even though I'd worked on that show for seven months, I really hadn't saved up much. We were living hard and fast. And I wasn't getting paid a lot. In fact, I was getting paid less than the average production assistant in Los Angeles gets paid on the average commercial. I didn't know that, of course. I was super green. So as a producer, I was getting paid as much as a production assistant, but that, that is what it is. I got the experience. I got my foot in the door. But I still had nothing. I was still stuck. And so I went to Los Angeles, got a job at this boat rental spot because I like to sail and they had sailboats, and working there meant I could get a little money in my pocket, and I could take the sailboats out for free. And I could park my Jeep in the parking lot there and live in it and shower at the dock and sort of be sort of like pseudo-homeless in Los Angeles. Now, one of the reasons I mention this is because of all the people I know who have pretty big careers now in film and television, my close friends, almost every single one of them started out homeless in Los Angeles when they first started in the game. Now, this is not like a requirement. If you have money from your family, I know folks who came out there in convertible Lexus, and they, you know, they never were homeless. But a lot of the folks that had no resources went out there. Times get real thin between jobs, and it gets real hard. But I was having a great time. I was young. I had my dog with me. I didn't have a care in the world. I was getting a tan in Marina Del Rey, renting boats. Miley Cyrus came down, rented a boat one day. I'm like, you know, it's a super fun spot to be. Cool job. And then I got offered my first real TV job by a friend of an artist named Johnny Love. Now, Johnny Love had come out to work on the, real uh, on the reality show I was producing. He and I became very close friends immediately. And Johnny hooked me up with this other guy named Chris Partita. Shout out to both these gentlemen. And Chris Partita hired me on a little show called Marriage Boot Camp Reality Stars. I can't remember what season it was. 
But he's like, look, man, we got six weeks of work. It's not very much money. It was $150 a day. But we need a greensman. And I was like, well, what's a greensman do? He goes, well, we have like a $40,000 budget for the plants that go around this mansion where this marriage boot camp reality show is filmed. And it's in the middle of the desert. And so it's essentially just cruising around watering plants. But you would plant new sections. You would make sure stuff looked really sharp in areas before we shot there. You know, it would, we would just, you know, you, you essentially are in charge of the plants. And I was like, I can do that. I can water plants. So I joined that show. And that ended up being another incredible experience. Because essentially, I would just get stoned out of my mind every morning. I'd put on this watering backpack. And I would cruise around the set, watering plants, planting plants, moving fake plants around, making sure that everything looked sharp from the natural standpoint when they filmed. And I was like, this is an awesome job. Because I would get my work done real quick. And then I had created a secret little alcove, if you will, a little grotto out of the extra plants. I created a grotto behind the pool house. And then I would go chill out back there. I had a little hammock when I got all my work done. Like in, in film and television, a lot of the way that it works is it, once you get your work done, that's all that matters. If you do your job and you get your job done, no one is checking on you. It's not like a regular job where they're like, hey, you're loafing. It's like, no, dude, is all your stuff sharp? Cool. And there's a lot of waiting around that happens while people are shooting in certain areas. So most times you want to be present on set and most jobs you want to be standing there next to the camera making sure that they have everything they need. But for the greens, once it was all planted and set and looked good, you're essentially just waiting for them to change something or move something around. And so it was an amazing job. I made a lot of friends that I stayed friends with for a long time. And people were really good to me. And uh, from there, I started to piece more work together. Everybody from that show went off to other shows and they would bring me on to do different jobs. And so I gravitated towards what's called the art department. And the art department on a film set, they're the people who are in charge of creating the environment in which the actors work. So at the top of the art department, you have the production designer. The production designer is the head creative of the art department. This person brings the ideas of the script into reality, chooses the furniture, chooses what the rooms will look like, chooses the arts on the wall, chooses everything down to the napkin holders, the kind of cutlery, the wallpaper, every single thing in any room in any movie or anything on television ever is gone over with a fine-tooth comb. And nowadays you create renderings of these things in a 3D digital space so that Directors and producers can see them before they say, yes, let's do that. And they'll usually try to, they'll usually change things all the way up to the last minute. I don't like this, change this, let's do this differently. How about this? Once the production designer gets the green light on what things are supposed to look like, the art department goes to work making it. So below the production designer, you have the art director. That's just like it sounds. He's the guy making sure that all the art matches the rendering and makes it onto set the way it's supposed to. And he's managing the set crew. Below him, I'm giving you a stripped out version. On a Hollywood set, there'd be more positions, but on a super stripped out set, 
Below him would probably be the, the lead man. And the lead man is in charge of the team that does the physical lifting and putting together of stuff. This is the job I gravitated towards and did for more than like, almost seven years. Among other jobs. So the lead man typically will pick up a big five-ton truck and go get all the props from a prop house needed for whatever scene they're shooting. All the set dressing, meaning like the couches, the chairs, the tables, the refrigerator, whatever's in this room, if you're building it from scratch, drive a giant five-ton truck around town picking all this stuff up with, a, you know, with the rest of the art crew and then come back to the stage, wherever that is. Could be an empty house, could be an empty room, could be a psych, could be a parking lot, could be anything. And then you dress it. Dressing it means putting it all together, bringing all the pieces together. If you want to see some video of us goofing around on some of these sets, or some of the sets that my friends do now, go to johnny-love.com and look at his production design. It is A-list. And we've gotten to work with all the amazing folks that you see on TV. Or movies. Everybody. Johnny and I just did a commercial with Ryan Reynolds for Aviation Gin back in July or June of 2022. And I did the same thing. I drove the truck, all the stuff in it, came in, put the set together with a bunch of other super talented people. And then I stayed to be the onset, meaning the art department person who stays around when they're actually shooting to make sure that they have everything that they need from the art department, whether it's props or if something needs to be moved. One of the scenes had Ryan throwing a full glass of Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Gin over his shoulder. Well, you can't just let that smash on the ground because it'll ruin the audio. So what you can't see in that shot is that I'm laying on the floor on a furniture pad. And when he throws it, I catch it out of midair so it doesn't make any noise. And he can continue his dialogue. And we nailed it on the first one. It was awesome. He, he turned around and he goes, Did you, how'd you, how the fuck did you do that? And I was like, luck, man. That was, that was all luck. <laughs> Just grabbed it out of the air. He couldn't have been nicer, by the way. What a delightful person to work with. Name dropping. Name dropping. Super cool people think they're really neat. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the story of the art department on a set and how I ended up in one. So I went from living in my Jeep to an apartment in Koreatown, which is also a classic move. From Koreatown, I ended up renting a room farther south because it was cheaper. And then I ended up moving into an RV on the streets because I got tired of paying rent. And I built an RV out of the scrap from the sets and all the extra stuff we had laying around from building these things. You can see a picture of that on my website if you go to the pictures. And then I moved from there into a compound up in the 
Angeles National Forest known as the Shadow Valley Lodge, which is a pretty cool little compound of cabins. So I went all the way from zero to hero. And interestingly enough, my life has taken me through that same trajectory and station arc multiple times where I go back down to zero in certain areas. In a lot of ways, I'm kind of doing that now. But new stations in life require adapting. But that is a, a, little, a little taste, a little taste of my Hollywood arc. So when you see my picture on Instagram of me being fancy, you know, I posted a lot of those aviation gin photos hanging out with Ryan. It wasn't always fancy times. It was mostly years and years of grinding, paycheck to paycheck, wondering if you're going to be able to piece enough of a career together. And then over time, you make the connections, you meet the people. That's why they say, it's all about networking. It's all about networking in Hollywood. It's all networking. What that means is you're just making friends with people who, who hire you for jobs. It's all nepotism would be a more accurate statement. Because there's so many talented people in Hollywood. You can literally find a dozen people to do any job. And there are always people willing to do stuff for too cheap. You know, for the wrong rates. But what ends up happening is people want to be around their friends on set for, you know, two weeks, three weeks. They start working with the same group of people. And now you're like, oh, I want to keep working with these folks. So you get into these little cliques, these groups. And there's all different kinds of them. But really... It's all about making friends and being fun to be around on set because then they're like, oh, we're going to hire this person because out of all the qualified people, everybody can do the job, but I'm going to have a better time on set with this person. And I know I can count on them in a crunch when things get crazy. All right. Thank you for listening to that story. I hope these are inter I hope you find these interesting. I'm in kind of a storytelling mood because I've been working on the book. Um, and uh, so it's on my mind, all these stories, these crazy stories. So there'll be a lot of them in the book. Uh, it's a short, quick, easy read. So consider pre-ordering that on my website. Let's do a little music here. Let's do 20 minutes of a little music. Now, I'm going to flip a coin here as to whether or not we do another little Lost Bangers. Or if we do some modern stuff. So Tails is modern. Heads is Lost Bangers. A little... Part three for you. Hold on. Here we go. Heads it is. A little more Lost Bangers for you. Thanks for being here. Enjoy the electronica. My name is Maverick Matthews. This is Mindfire on KTLK Fringe FM. Come with me. I'm going to play you the greatest song ever written in the history of the universe. After which... We shall snort cocaine and have our assholes tongued by the angels. We're going ballistic, man. Go get them.
Sized expression.
Cranston Injury Law wants to get you the most for your injury. I had my hand crushed in a Fergdorf trenolator and there was soft tissue damage and Cranston Injury Law sued that company out of business just because I had misused the machine and they got me $7 trillion for my settlement. Cranston Injury Law.